And welcome back, Judy Floreal. Thank you, Mr. Floreal. So nice to be here with you on a lovely Sunday morning. So how you been? How you feeling? Uh, it's been good, but hard. Why? Lots going on. Um, the mixture of different things. I think part of it was sharing my story, getting so much feedback. Obviously, so much of it was really positive. Um, I didn't actually hear anything negative. You know what I mean? My brain would think I would hear negative um, or make up stories when, you know, maybe somebody who I'd wanted to listen hadn't listened or whatever. Um, and it was interesting because the first recording was fine. And then I think when I started getting feedback, I started getting nervous because I was overthinking it. And I suppose worried about other people's um, perceptions of me and then the expectations for the for the next recording. So as the recordings went on, I basically got more and more nervous about it. Um, and you know what I've been like. But then also there's been a combination of a lot of stuff that has happened. Um, there was a big thing that happened about a year ago. And it was scary. And it made me feel very scared. And it made me feel like that scared little girl that I used to be when I was very small. And I couldn't seem to snap out of the fear of it and was struggling to the point of almost every day reliving the scenario of what happened. Um, and I just couldn't stop replaying it in my head and then thinking, well, what if I'd said this or what if I'd done that or what if they'd said this or what if they've done that or, you know, playing it and playing it and playing it over in my head and basically like holding myself captive within that. And then I was like realizing, okay, I'm doing this to myself. I need to obviously stop this and stop that negative brain cycle because it was affecting us and it was affecting my life every day and it was affecting my confidence doing things. And I felt like instead of moving forward, I felt like I was moving backwards um, and getting stuck in that negative lip again. And then eventually came to the point where it was like, this is bigger than me. I don't know how to fix it. Because I wanted to go back and sit with myself and go through what had happened, you know, that time when it was really scary and, you know, be able to help my younger self go through it. And I felt like I couldn't do it, like it would be too much for me. And I felt like I would just get lost, like pulled down into that big sea and go under the water and wouldn't be able to come up for breath. And like logically in my head, I knew that wasn't the case, but mentally I couldn't make that leap and that change so eventually reached out to AA and asked him for his help um and that was scary you mean and it's and then I'm worrying about what does he think of me and you know does he think less of me for not being able to fix this by myself or whatever um and it's not the case so much of these stories that I've said to myself for years the constant negative back chat has has been a, a continued struggle. And I don't know if I'd said, yeah, I think I had said before that I realized when I was working at Hydrees that my addiction was worrying. And that's been my constant. And I don't want it to be mine 
anymore and I don't want to own that anymore and I don't want that to be my story anymore. Um, but it's almost like whenever I get like a big thing out of the way that I've been worrying about, I replace it with something else. And often I make up 99.9% of the content of it. It might be one thing that's got a little bit of a truth in it and then I blow it up into something that is actually not. And it was like, geez, I'm doing this all the time about everything. And you've seen me struggle with it. And you've tried to like snap me out of it sometimes. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And with this one, I couldn't snap out of it. I couldn't like break it. And I knew in myself that it was relating to something in my childhood because I kept going back feeling like a helpless little girl. And I couldn't seem to... I didn't know what it was and I'd gone through different other scenarios that I remember, but I couldn't, I couldn't, it didn't seem to like link with those ones. It didn't seem to make sense with those ones. So when I chatted with double A um, and, you know, he's got me to close my eyes and relax and, you know, trust him and, you know, trust what comes up in my mind. You know, there's like pictures and colors and things that will come up in your mind or you'll feel sensations in your body and it's just being able to feel like totally calm to listen to those and what they were. You know I mean, and for me, instantly, I could feel pain. I felt like a gripping on my neck, like a, a really sore pain, really clear in my neck. And it was like, well, that wasn't there a moment ago. Okay, well, what's that about? And basically, my brain then went back to a memory that I didn't have. That it, like I did have, but it was locked away. I'd locked it so far back. And I was really young. Um, I don't know the age, maybe three, maybe four, really young, where it was terrifying and where basically my life was in danger. And mum was there and she was trying to look after me and protect me. But she, I could see the fear in her eyes. I could see the fear that, you know, her daughter's life was being threatened. And you know, that was stored away because I couldn't handle it before. And now this time it was like, geez, I didn't know that was there. But it felt so real. I could see it. I could picture it. Different, um, like, therapy sessions, if you want to call it, that I had with Matt had alluded to it. And there were signs of it. But this time it was like, oh, I put the pieces of the puzzle together. And that's why I didn't feel safe. And that's been massive because... I'd thought before that my reason of trying to please everybody, my reason to try and please my dad, my reason to um, try and keep things, you know, happy in the home, I thought it was because I felt like I could influence my dad. I felt like, you know, he had said that I was the, I was his favorite. I I made him happy. I felt like, oh, that's why I've done what I've done in my life to try and you know keep people happy, try and keep the peace try and make it a safe place but actually it was before then and before then my life was being threatened and I was scared and I thought I was going to be killed so that's what led to everything else I was surviving and I was doing the best that I could to survive so actually I was constantly trying to keep myself safe I wasn't trying to just please everybody uh, the the motivation was to keep myself safe so when I like about a year ago when I didn't feel safe and I really felt scared um and basically hearing words of you know th somebody threatening my life 
I couldn't let go of it and I didn't know why. And now I know why. Because I felt that so long ago and I locked it all away. And it was real and it was true and that's why I felt stuck. So now being able to clear that out has been good and it's a release. And now I'm not, you know, every day thinking about what happened, you know, about a year ago. I'm not going over that scenario again. That's gone. I can see it for what it really was. And yes, somebody can mouth out and say whatever, but they didn't mean it. That wasn't their intentions, you know what I mean? You know, whenever you're not in your right mind or you're intoxicated or whatever, you can say a whole lot of stuff that doesn't, that isn't the reality because you're not in the same moment and that's okay. And now I can weigh it up and go, oh, right, okay, that wasn't about me. It was directed at me, but it wasn't about me. Um, so that's lovely to be able to be able to go, oh, right, okay, and know I can frame that and know that I don't need to live, live in fear every day. So that was a massive shift. But also it meant that my understanding of my childhood and my understanding of what I've gone through in my life, the foundation changed. That whole, oh, that's why I did this. That's why I've done that. That's how I've acted. It's shifted and it recontextualized it all. And that's been quite an emotional roller coaster to go through that because I really felt like I was grieving and that's only really been the last week that we've kind of cracked this you know I mean you've been so much help but literally I was grieving because to realize that you felt that scared and that was your reality when you were so small and you were unable to do anything about it um, and those around you who want to protect you couldn't do anything about it as well. That's scary. And then the next day, I'm sitting in the bedroom. I'm writing in my journal. I've got back to writing in the journal again. Because I was writing a bit in my journal, but it was more like a diary of like things that happened. It wasn't letting myself flow, letting the thoughts in my head flow onto the paper and be a journal and be something that was helpful and like a meditation type thing I'd got into the facts about it and I wasn't able to like really just be open on the paper the fear of somebody else reading it or whatever and it wouldn't really matter to anybody else anyway but I wasn't even allowing myself to be free in that moment to write in my book so anyway I was thinking right I'm going to write in the book and just as I've started this little bird flew into the window hit the window we've got trees outside the bedroom window and it was quite a young one and it hit the window and I was like oh so I like ran over to the window and looked down and it was it was lying at the bottom because we're on the second floor and it's clearly had injured it and probably broke its neck so I said to you we ran downstairs you know checked it out picked it up it was still warm it was definitely dead definitely broken its neck and apart from obviously being really sad, it made me realize that if I had died, because that, that injury was on my neck, if I had died, it would have been quick. It would have been instant. And that wee birdie was so peaceful. And death doesn't have to be something really scary. I think a lot of us are afraid of dying or afraid of what happens, but actually the wee birdie was so peaceful. It was gone and it looked so beautiful and it was sad that it was gone. But it was so peaceful and I thought, oh, there's a real peace. 
You're not in torment anymore. You're not going through all the suffering anymore. It just stops. You're at peace. Your body's at peace. Your soul goes off wherever it goes to. Um, and it's like, I don't need to be afraid of dying anymore because that's ultimately what, what was driving me, that fear of dying, the fear of, I think that was it. You know, I've, I've suffered long. I've had many pains in my body for years. Um, but I suppose it was that fear of dying. And then when you actually see death, like when I've seen people that are dead, you know, my grandmother, there was a, a random client at work as well. I've seen people that are dead. They look so peaceful. It's calm. There's a real... It's a real kind of special atmosphere and it's nothing to be scared of. And it was like a good reminder for me to go, oh, that's not, I don't need to be scared anymore. Um, and let myself work through the emotions of that, which was grieving, which was feeling sad, which was, you know, feeling sad for that little girl that was scared. Um, so I've been through a lot. <laughs> in the last few weeks me too yeah <laughs> but you've been amazing i do my best definitely frustrating at times mm. um but i think for me was realizing the gravity of your situation we've known each other for three and a half years today today and you know i know your story i've heard it many times but I didn't realize that, you know, suffering, pain is relative. It's it's not that I didn't realize that, but I didn't realize, you know, my my perception of what you went through was pretty heavy. Once I understood that this was a daily thing for you to be in fight or flight, to be scared of like violence in the household and for me growing up I've had like versions of that more like verbal very little physical um I would say like spankings or something just because I was a little like twerp you know of a little boy just normal just talking back or doing something like that was dangerous but um that time basically the last week or so maybe a little bit more than that but during this period I finally understood that this is something that's deeper for you you know that trauma and uh so I started to have a little more empathy and compassion for you, a little more patience. Um, you know, honestly, it has been frustrating, but like that's why we're together. We're, you know, we made a commitment to be together through thick and thin, you know, better, worse. And so it is like normal. I mean, for people in everyday life to be going through stuff, right? And I think maybe on the outside, people only think that we're like happy-go-lucky. And most of the time we are, but we have to remember that all of us are carrying skeletons and 
inner demons and despite the mask that you see in the public eye we're maybe dealing with something so it can be a, like a silent pain that a lot of people are covering up in many ways right and you have your forms of distractions and they're like sort of annoyingly like remind you you know sometimes I'm I realize like I'm a little bit too much where I'm like almost acting as a parent and um but that's just around like safety right like that to me it's very important I don't really care what kind of stuff had gone on in the past if I see a knife teetering on a ledge on the countertop or a pair of scissors or um, a glass jar or anything that can be dangerous to you physically I'm gonna speak up and I have to like nag you sometimes right because I don't care like I'm here first and foremost to make sure you're safe to protect you physically like safe safety first right and you just go like mad sometimes like just leave me alone come on right stop and, nagging me <laughs> yeah because in a moment you are maybe possessed by some like grief and confusion because of what had been going on and maybe you know obviously that something triggered it we're learning to recontextualize, to reframe these triggers into anchors, not something to escape from, not something to distract you from, but to actually go in deeper, right? So to be able to just go direct to what that is, even though you may not know what it is. And what I wanted to say is for me, that's how I've worked it through was through some form of meditation or alone time or like moving my body, going out in nature. I'm processing all of this internal stuff. So I hadn't really relied on another person to help outside of me, whether it's a therapist, whether it's a coach. Um, I've certainly had like wonderful friends, I call them earth angels that listen to me. And then I, as I've been talking out loud, I was like, wow, I'm looping, right? Because I just kept repeating the same story. And, and thank God my friends were patient with me, you know, because they're like, wow, Tony's just looping again, saying the same sad story. And at a certain point, I was like, when I've heard other people repeat their same sad story, I was like, wow, that's me. I, I was in a way a burden. And, um, but I understand that, when things are so heavy you don't even know why and you can find like a skillful person whatever qualifications they have or don't have that basically can help you crack that nut mm -hmm. and help you you know digest whatever is going on or to figure out like where that comes from just from a process of allowing you to talk out loud and then through their skillful ways help you isolate and heal that. So grateful for like AA for having that ability to 
just get to the point, right? And um, not to take away from all the other therapies, they all have their place. Um, but we've been fortunate. And in my case, too, he's helped me tremendously with my past things with um, growing up fatherless. Like my father just abandoned us. And, you know, it wasn't until later in life that I reconnected with him. But I didn't realize that that those childhood memories or uh, not having my father around really impacted me as an adult. And so being grateful for like double A to help resolve that and to integrate it. So I feel more whole than I've ever have. And, you know, I also realized this, yeah, there's onion layers and it can go deeper, but just because one thing healed, that didn't mean that like another thing's going to pop up either. Right. So, and, uh, so yeah, it's certainly, is a human thing to be frustrated, but it taught me to be more patient with you to teach us to communicate better. Right. Cause we're like operating on these assumptions, assumptions as well. And, and we get on each other's nerves. Right. It's just totally normal. So. I think also as well, you know, by me going through, you're facing those, literally those demons from the past, those hidden fears, those scary things. I mean, I don't know where I'm at on the memory front. I don't know what else is in there. I know, like I've always known that there's a lot of my past I don't remember. Um, chatting with my uh, little sister, she has got an incredible memory, almost photographic memory. And... Uh, we were kind of discussing and I said, I, I think, yeah, I only probably remember maybe about 30% of my childhood, maybe 25%. There's a lot more in there. Um, but I can't live in fear of more kind of like scary things jumping out of my closet, i.e. my brain at different times when I feel safe to let it out. I don't know. I can't live like that. It might be the tip of the iceberg. I don't know. I don't know. Um, and I had this before where I was basically haunted by stuff I didn't know or stuff that people had alluded to, you know, social workers or, you know, people that were qualified kind of implying that I'd had other experiences that I didn't remember. Um, might be the case. I don't know. Um, sometimes my sisters and I, we joke about, you know, childhood trauma, the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> it's like you know sometimes it's relentless sometimes it's like is it ever gonna end you mean it is annoying because you know you see other people that had a much better start in life and they can just get on and do stuff and not feel like they're being constantly kind of like pulled back um but that's my life that's what I've got and the thing is at times, yes, I'm annoyed with it and frustrated with it. But then at other times, I'm actually grateful because there's so many good things now that I have in my life. And I wouldn't have got there and I wouldn't have experienced them if it wasn't for what I went through. Um, yeah, so it's one of those things where it's, 
I'm not trying to just find a silver lining. You know, so much of it has been good and has been positive. And there are lessons that I've, I've, I suppose, and it's maybe earned. I don't know if that's the right word. But also now, when I see other people, I talk to other people, I can see what they've been through. They don't need to tell me. I can often just have a sense of it. Or you see how they're acting or you see their body language. You know, and then there's times where I've instantly known what somebody's been through, what abuse that they've been through. Um, and in some ways that's good because I, I like there was, I was thinking about actually some of the children that we met when I worked um, at an orphanage in Brazil. And you could see other people in the team were getting frustrated at some of these like local kids that were there that were hanging out. And they were from the local favela, so from the local like shantytown. And they'd come down and we were doing like, um, you know, kind of like church services and community things and fun activities and that kind of thing. And some of the kids and some of the adults were actually being quite rude or annoying or different things. And you could see that they were trying to like smile, but getting annoyed. But I could see instantly what was going on with those adults, what was going on with those kids and what they'd been through or an idea of what I thought they'd been through. Quite, you know, big, serious abuse. And instantly, it. once I saw it, I was able to kind of say to the other ones in a nice way without saying, it's like, you know, don't take that personally. That's not about you. They're go- they've gone through a lot. They're going through a lot. I can see that kind of thing. Um, and just be able to come alongside them. It's just you have a knowing, I think, and you recognize it's like something that you recognize. I don't know if it's an intuition. I'm not too sure how to explain it, but you can have an instant kind of understanding and compassion for that person and be able to give them a bit more grace, a bit more space. You mean, just because they're not necessarily fitting with normal behaviors or whatever there's a reason for that um and hopefully and I think that's probably what happened to me when I was younger when different people reached out to me or you know friends parents gave me the space that I needed even though I didn't say what was happening they could probably see something was up just by my behavior or my quietness or my shyness or my lack of confidence or you know whatever it was they were able to kind of see past that and be able to hold that space. And I know that's quite a, a fashionable term to say, hold that space, but that truly is what it is. Yeah, form of presence, mm-hmm. just unconditional, giving like space or a home to feel safe. Because one level you said, maybe a lack of confidence or shyness, so that's like one end of the spectrum. Mm. And then the other end is probably what you were alluding to in Brazil with the favelas. favelas. Yeah, for the, the favelas, like yeah, the like, shanty town. Like yeah, what, like kind of the, the ghettos of uh, Brazil and uh, where they could be acting up in probably a like overly, um, I don't know, social way or like just like, more loudness, more volume, more, um, and sometimes just kind of coming across really irritating, and irritating or arrogant, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, or sometimes even aggressive as aggressive. well. There you go. So it's like either end of the spectrum that seemed like off balance, um, 
people have different ways of expressing mm. their their pain and and weird ways, right? And so sometimes they're like so subtle that it would probably take one to know one, mm. right? To recognize even on a really extreme end as someone that's very suicidal. I think we alluded to this in uh, the prior podcast, but you know they're crying for help in the, like the weirdest ways. Uh, another thing out. We had uh, learned from AA as well. It's just that, you know, it's not till unfortunately, like looking back 2020, that you you see all the the little signs that the person was suffering and crying for help, but maybe for pride or whatever reason, like embarrassment, they just could not find a way to ask for help mm. or just felt like no one was listening to them like truly and and a lot of it's because like people feel like awkward when someone's too shy or too aggressive you know so they just try to sort of move on or like act like everything's normal and and not actually just say time out look at the person say like hey what's going on right? Just getting direct. What's going on? I, I noticed something. I don't know what it is, but do you want to talk about something? Or, I mean, you see that with like kids acting up, right? It's usually, it's like a pain in the ass with parents or adults. They just kind of like shoot a kid, go, go watch some, you know, tablet, some TV, internet, like move, get, just go away, go play, right? Instead of just going to the kid that's acting up, and saying like just firmly without having to yell you know get upset just say hey what's going on and actually listen to the kid be there for them right and we see this with like a lot of the punk kids in the neighborhood right they're they're reaching adolescents they're rebelling but they're just rebelling like across the board with everybody not having any discernment for people that may actually like care about like their who they are and their lives and they probably just feel like no one cares other than their their little like gang of friends and that's where a lot of the troubles happen I mean I've had those same kind of situations as a young kid and mainly because you're looking for excitement and novelty but you know I'm not proud of some of the sort of destructive things I'd done um, and actually got away with, right? So, but my point is, is that people are complicated and we have to like step out of our own shoes and develop an empathy of, like in your case, Judy, was like, it hit me hard. Like, wow, I didn't understand how deep what you went through in your childhood was and the last week I it, I realized that I, it took me a while and I think fair enough to say that I had been there for you but I wasn't like fully there the way I could have been and that's because I didn't know right as much as I know I, I still didn't know until it was like brought up and I was like wow I didn't think about that this was a daily thing for you. Like my childhood was hard. I was very suicidal, but it was relative. I didn't have 
that feeling like I was gonna die every day. I didn't have that. I just felt like no one understood what I was feeling. No one was truly listening, especially being hearing impaired. I I had to listen. So out of necessity, I had to learn to like listen. But even that, I wasn't truly listening to you. You were crying out. And I was just getting frustrated, but I didn't really stop and realize it's not personal with me. I had to take me out of it and be there and truly listen to you. Let it let you have that safe space to let all of it out. How ugly it would be, tears and snot, whatever, right? Like emotions just have you feel safe to pretty much run it out run all of those emotions out until you felt like okay right i I got it out i feel better right because crying is very healing and then also like having some healthy boundaries where I'm like, I'm not going to enable you either to keep being a victim, to keep getting some sort of attention in a like weird way, because it's like, Oh, if I just played the victim role and like cry all the time, I'm going to get attention. It's like, is this truly a healing moment? Because you don't want to enable like addictions and addicts either. Right. So, and and that just takes time. I mean, like, I'm learning, again, discernment, like, to recognize what is really going on in the moment. Um, from my point of view, I have definitely at times got very stuck in the victim mentality. Um, but I didn't want to be there. Like, I might have got stuck in it, but I didn't want to be in it. You know what I mean? I wouldn't have just cried to get people's attention. And I don't think, I might be wrong, but I don't think the majority of people are looking for that or wanting that. Um, you yeah, know, I crying, just think crying's it's not. crap. It makes you feel awful. It drains you of all your energy. You can't think straight. Um, you mean, I don't think... It's logical that you feel that way. It's just again what's running us is that like undercurrent of the unconscious and subconscious Mm -hmm. where it isn't logical a lot of stuff that you were experiencing was not logical and i was like coming from this logic mind like just get over it (laughs) cry it out move your body do this do that breathe do breathing drink more water like (laughs) and you're just like fuck off You know, I was just like, um, I, I know it's like, like getting preachy. I was like nagging. I was like, oh, it's logical. And it's like, it isn't. It's a lot of this stuff. Addiction is not logical. Everybody knows. Like I have my versions of addictions and we know that like, like I could just stop. But I don't. Mm. Right. Like I know that this is not good for me but I can't help myself and it's it's that thing that we need to like understand that's running the show as much as we like to believe that we're awake and we're conscious 
and we have a conscience it's it's not what's running the show is like all that like subconscious programming i guess that's not very uh helpful to living a good life so you know that's that's where like i needed to go like i can't just solve this problem like a like a man like a man just wants to solve like i i need to listen and then i have to like help you come up with your own solutions and answers however that happens but it is like a balance right and like you were saying we just can't help this like negative loop Mm -hmm. either where it's like you just focus on the problem instead of focusing on like what the solution is right like and so i i realized like i needed to just be there for you and to help you through that process and help empower you to like heal but on your terms not my terms right it's interesting as well though because how many times when I'm struggling with something and I kind of thought right I'll speak about it I'll talk about it and then I would just talk about surface level I got frustrated at this or I did that or this person said this or they haven't replied or whatever And I needed to get through the surface level stuff that didn't really wasn't the issue, just minor irritation-y type things. And then once I was able to talk through that, if you could listen to me and not argue with me upon those things or try and fix those things, then I'd get to the, oh, actually I'm in pain or I'm worried about this or I'm scared about that and actually get to what what was underneath what was kind of more in the depth of what was the issue. And a lot of times I didn't even know that I needed to go through the surface crap, those little irritating things to go, oh, this is what the actual issue is. And I've seen that happen to me quite a lot of times. Um, And I don't know really why it happens. It's like a lot of times, like I can think of incidences when I was working and my neck was always sore and that was just a constant every day. It was sore. I didn't know any better. Um, and also because my neck was sore, I would always have headaches every day as well. So that, again, was a constant. Um, and it, you'd only be aware of it when it was extra sore kind of thing. Um, but then if I got another pain on, because I used to have issues, a lot of gynae issues, when that would flare up, then I'd be suddenly at a point where I felt like I couldn't cope and crying in the bathroom and thinking, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? And then I'll, my brain would be like, you're in pain. And I wasn't registering, I was in physical pain. So there's so many times it's like almost like my brain wasn't making the connections. And I've seen that happen quite a lot. And I think you've seen it happen with me as well. I'm not recognizing what's going on. And I, I'm not too sure why I don't make those connections. Yeah, it's a quite... vicious cycle, right? Yeah. Because you're in pain so you're you're going like why am i in pain and then you probably go like oh i'm being punished right because that it's also part of your like belief system belief systems from the church and but it just loops over and over versus what do i need i need to take a time out i need to like 
go in my room or go for a walk or take a bath and do like me time, right? So that you can at least like turn the noise down mm. of those signals and maybe reverse engineer, right? And it's, it's again, this is logical, right? But we don't think logically when we're in pain, especially. So, but that is my experience. Like I realized I just needed to check out do a little retreat of some sort. It didn't have to be like a weekend retreat. It literally just be like an hour, right? And I had neck pain. I've had various pains in my body, mainly my neck. And I just went deep with that pain. I like developed a relationship with it and through various therapies. But ultimately it came down to me just realizing what that like faulty blueprint was you know and eventually it pretty much vanished you know I might have like a a minor flare-up once a year but of all the practices we've been doing like it's literally like knock on wood right I literally haven't had it in a long time Mm -hmm. where I couldn't turn my head Mm -hmm. and so again back to that like negative loop and vicious cycle it's hard but it is a moment of your body saying stop stop whatever you're doing stop trying to like put out fires and like trying to please people or do another like task in the house like more laundry cook more things clean clean this do that like buy gifts for people you know it's literally just stop assess the situation like an emergency situation and try to get some sort of clarity in that moment that you can hold on to uh some grounding some base where you're not just being tumbled Mm -hmm. in a tumble dryer and just you know, body slammed, whatnot. So that's that's what I did, and and I just kept repeating that to the point where I literally could resolve all a lot of these issues, right? And so that's the other bit too, like that's like the density of suffering that you've gone through compared to what I gone through. So because you had so much go on you know, maybe it's taken a little longer. Um, Everybody's at a different timeline or maybe there is a linchpin that if you can just find that one little trauma piece that's been aggravating your system and you just pull that linchpin and that whole like house of cards fall Mm. and then you can like rebuild from there. Who knows, but... I just realized that I have to be more patient because I have to realize I went through my version of what you went through. It may have not taken me as long or whatever the time. It doesn't matter the time. The point is, are you there for that person? Right. And whatever it took, I, we made a commitment. I have to make sure you're good 
at the same time, I have to make sure I'm good. I have to spend time and take care of me. So I do that by like working out, right? I do that by riding my bike, going out in nature, hanging out with the guys. And so I just have to make sure I'm also whole, right? Otherwise, we're just going to start, you know, trying to energy vampire each other, right? Totally. I I was thinking, why would I get myself into those, why can't I figure things out? Why can't I figure out, you know, before when I was in pain or worrying about stuff or whatever? And I think it was basically because I was surviving on fight or flight. Your brain doesn't work properly when you're living in fight or flight. It doesn't work properly when you're constantly in anxious mode, worry mode. And it's only when I kind of like I'm able to dip out of that and be able to be calm that I can make the sense and logic out of it. So I suppose for me, it's learning techniques or learning. It doesn't have to be techniques. It's whatever it is that helps me feel calm. Because then when I'm calm, I'm not in a state of worry and perpetual worrying about everything. You mean, because once I get rid of one worry, my brain automatically would slot something right in there. And usually it wasn't just one thing. It would usually be like a host of things. You mean, and I remember, you know, people would say, oh, write down, you know, the things that you're worrying about. And I literally would be like, but that would take me like a week. And they're like, why would it take you so long? And I'm like, because I'm constantly worried about every interaction I've ever had where I felt like I didn't say the right thing or I didn't do the right thing. And I'd constantly rehash almost every interaction that I'd ever had when where I've, I would beat myself up about things. That I felt like I let that person down because I wasn't present or I didn't see that they were having an issue or I was so concerned about myself or, and I was basically weighing myself up being, I need to be saint-like in every conversation I need to be saint-like, in every interaction I need to be saint-like, every day at work I need to be, and it was like never having the, it's good enough for now, I'm doing my best. I was having this, you know, you have to be perfect level and constantly criticizing myself with that. Um, and it's being able to drop that down and go, well, what's actually realistic? Um, thank you. What's realistic? Um, there's still a lot of figuring out really going on with me, but I think it's good. It's been good. You've been helping a lot of people through this process and podcast the same thing, right? I had been doing this for quite a bit time and in the early stages, I was literally so worried about what other people were going to think or I could have said this or that when I would listen to the playback and over time I just realized like it was I didn't know at the time but it is good enough for now Mm -hmm. and that it truly is authentic and nothing's ever perfect right and to be able to just be with whatever it is and just see it as an opportunity to improve next time. So it's like a form of feedback. I like podcasts because it helps me grow and mature and 
hopefully become a better communicator and become more conscientious of, of what I say, how I say it, and and also just put, letting my hair down. Not today, but but this is me, and being okay with that. Actually, being like so, I love love myself. You know, not in a conceited way, but this is the expression of this this guy named Tony, right? And podcasting's been great. The feedback overall from people has been great because they're like, "Oh man, I thought I was the only one going through this." Or it's so nice to hear that your story because I realize a bunch of things that may have been under the surface but now that you brought it up it's brought it up to the surface and it's like wow that's been like ruling my life in a negative way right so so yeah I mean you were going through that I felt like after every podcast you're like oh god I don't want you to publish that (laughs) or I'm I don't want that to be put out there or people are going to take it wrong or and it had been the opposite. Like you watch so, that and you go, yeah, you go, oh my God, that is so good. And I'm like, yeah, what? It's like, what? We have this like skewed perception of what we think happened. And then you rewatch it and you go, that's amazing. Like, that's a great point. So all this internal mm-hmm. voices in our head is just, corrupting our reality right and so and then you publish it and the amount of people that reach out and go thank you so much for talking about that or I didn't realize that you went through all that and you know just so happy that you're able to like heal from it and talk about it publicly and and you know it makes me have a deeper love and or more like a respect and and I, I, the courage to put that your dirty laundry out there, right? And so it's been very empowering. That's that's why I love this. You know, I love growing and learning and maturing. And it's just not a clean process. It's very ugly sometimes, but that's what gives it that like character. I think that that that's the beauty of art and whatever form it takes is the ability to express it on even the dark levels and the shadows and the you know the uglies but also some people find like comedy and relief mm-hmm. out of that because you you're open and honest it was interesting because we went for a walk before the podcast and I was like, why are we doing this? Why are we talking about this? And it's like, actually, it's not for anybody else. If it helps anybody else, that's indirect and that's amazing. And that's a complete blessing. But ultimately, it's being able to speak my truth, being able to be open, real, honest, genuine, and speak my truth for me. And if that helps other people, then that's the, the bonus. And to see it at the bonu- as a bonus. Because before, 
so many times I didn't do things for myself because I was constantly trying to serve other people and trying to help myself feel better that way because I'd help this person or I'd encourage that person or whatever it was. And there was like that ulterior motive. But actually, I can't affect anybody. I can't control anybody. I can't ultimately do anything for anybody else. If they get a benefit from it or they receive something from it, that's great. But I can't make anybody do anything. You mean the control lies with me? How do I think? How do I feel? How do I process something? How do I take care of me? And a funny point as well, that because I'd been a whole like whole stress thing, I hadn't realized that I was actually wearing quite a lot of clothes that were uncomfortable, um, which I know sounds ridiculous, but when your head is so busy with a whole load of nonsense, worrying about everything and everybody else and everything else. Um, and then also definitely if you're in pain and stuff as well, I constantly lived in uncomfortable clothes. And why, why would I do that to myself? So, like, I think a lot of times I didn't really recognize it, but also I was trying to fit in. Do you know what I mean? When I, when I went to work, the girls were all wearing high heels. So I wore high heels every day at work and you know particularly when you're working in hospitality you're on your feet maybe eight nine ten plus hours a shift you mean yeah you might get away with that in your 20s maybe your 30s but geez it takes a toll and it's like why was I doing that or why was I always wearing you know a tight wet fitted waistband they're really uncomfortable I really don't like them hell yeah for elasticated jeans I only bought my first pair and I love them because they fit every time of the month, they're comfortable and I feel good in them. And it's like, I deserve to feel good about myself. And if that means not wearing fashionable clothes or if that means not wearing whatever is expected, but actually wearing something that makes me feel comfortable, because you can, the thing is, it's like learning to go, I deserve to feel comfortable. I deserve to feel comfortable at work. I deserve to feel comfortable with my friends. I deserve to feel comfortable in my home. I deserve to feel comfortable in my body. Why would I not, why would I put myself, like you wouldn't have a newborn baby and put it in uncomfortable clothes. You wouldn't do that to them. You would let them have a baby grow or whatever it is, or if they want to run around naked, let them run around naked. You mean let them feel comfortable. It's like, why don't I do the same for myself? Because when I feel comfortable, I can relax. I don't, I'm not worrying about everything else. I feel at ease. I feel comfortable. My digestive system works well. My brain works more efficiently. I'm more present. I'm more engaged. Um, and I feel happier. And then ultimately, I think, then because I'm happier in myself, I'm more confident. So yes, I might not look the most stylish or whatever I thought in my head, but I ultimately feel happy in myself, which makes me feel more confident, which makes me more attractive to people anyway. And it's like, oh, duh. Because I've been running around wearing this sports bra. And I didn't realize until today, it was like, I was pressing on my diaphragm and it actually makes me feel a little bit sick. I was like, why am I wearing this? As soon as I got off at home, I was like whipped up right off. I'm like, why am I wearing something that feels uncomfortable? Just because it matched the outfit or just because it was the first at hand or 
And also, why am I keeping all these clothes that don't fit me anymore? I don't want to be as skinny as I was before. I was unhealthy. And I didn't think healthy about food and I didn't think healthy about myself. Why do I want to keep these clothes going, oh, well, maybe one day I'll get thin enough to fit it back into those jeans again. I'm like, I don't want to be the person that did fit into those jeans because I was skinny, because I was worrying constantly. My metabolism was through the roof because I was in fight or flight all the time. It's like, I don't want to go back there again. So why am I punishing myself looking at these jeans every day in my in my wardrobe going, I can't fit in those because, you know, you put weight on and like punishing myself for putting weight on. But I actually know that I'm happier now. Happier, healthier. And why? What is weight? What kind of weight? Exactly as well. But also I'm stronger. I prefer to be stronger than to be slim. Yeah, but why are you stronger? Why you have more weight? You didn't put on more fat or adipose tissue. There's a difference between like muscle or lean body weight, which includes your like minerals in your bones, mm-hmm. right? And all those things that are not fat, right? There's hydration levels that affects weight. So everybody's saying lose weight, but mm-hmm. they're not like specific. That's because of ignorance. But you can have more muscle and be heavier than when you were skinnier and had more fat. Yeah. Right. So it's kind of like, yeah, it's it's obvious when you see, you know, heavy people carrying a lot of like extra fat weight. Um, And then it's not as obvious when you have people that have uh, more fat, but they're they're skinny, they're lean, you know, like they're they also don't have much muscle either. Mm. So they they called like skinny fat but they just look like normal in clothes but you can tell that they're not as like healthy they're not as vibrant right and they're on the other end of this the continuum as you were saying because you were in fight or flight constantly with the release of stress hormones because fight or flight is actually good it's just when it's chronic yeah. and that's the also the distinction that people make they make the mistake of saying that fight or flight's bad or you don't want to be calm all the time you want kind of like the right amount of dose of certain stress hormones especially when you wake up in the morning because it's what gets you out of bed but you don't want that same sort of stress hormone at the end of the day when you're trying to relax and go to sleep so it's just through education, learning when you want the stress hormones to be used to your advantage and when are they at a disadvantage because they're being released at the wrong time of the day. Like you don't want melatonin to be released early in the day, then you're just going to be tired and you want to sleep all day. You want that later in the day, right? But you also don't want too much melatonin. So it's just the art of life is trying to figure out ourselves i was the same way i wore uncomfortable shoes just because they were fashionable they look cool right like my nike airs back in the the late 80s like i wanted to be like michael jordan and all my friends had nike airs right and it gave me like you know 
uh, calluses. I had a uh, planter wart, right? Like, what good is that? You know, and, and, and funny enough, because I have wide feet and like smaller feet, like nothing fit me, you know? And it's only now later in life where I'm like, I want to be comfortable. I don't care what people think or how those shoes look. It, it's just this weird thing. I don't know why it took that long for us to realize that, to realize like, like you're speaking your truth, I'm speaking my truth. It really is just our opinion and everybody else is entitled to their opinions. But we shouldn't like censor each other. Like everybody should be able to express how they feel. And then, you know, either we agree or we disagree and that's fine. Um, but it seemed like we were ruled, at least in my case, I'm sure yours too, that like we cared about what other people thought about us. So sort of our, like our PR, you know, we were worried about like how like our marketing and our brand was like, mm -hmm. and so we we're constantly trying to like create this image about who we are. And I think oh. the fundamental for me was just a desperateness to be accepted, a desperateness to be liked and accepted and loved, I suppose. That was, I think, my driving to fit in and to look cool or fashionable or be accepted and you know I would wear I would look a certain like I never had like a this is Judas style because I would change if I was going for a family function I would change if I was going out with these friends I would change if I was going to church I would change if I was because I was trying to f f go with what would be accepted within that environment not going what do I fancy wearing today what do I feel comfortable in? What do I feel confident in? That was never the overriding thought. Um, and you've been great for that because I would go out, we'd be sitting in the car and wearing something. And I'm like, oh, this is cutting me. It's also tight in my, my, myself. I, it really goes nice. And I, I really wanted to wear these jeans today. And you'd be like, what are you doing? Just go upstairs and change and put something comfortable on. I mean, and you'd be happy that I did it. And I'd be like, oh, I just wear my leggings again. And you're like, yeah, but do you feel comfortable? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, great. And that's lovely because you weren't like, oh, Judith, what are you wearing? You've never said that to me ever. You're like, do you feel confident? Do you feel comfortable? And I'm like, yes. And that's lovely because actually you've allowed me to develop that and go, actually, I can just wear what feels comfortable. You don't care what I wear. You don't care if I've worn the same outfit for the same three weeks. I just keep putting it in the wash and putting it back. You don't care. You're just like, are you feel? Do you feel comfortable? And that's lovely. That's really lovely. Yeah, I think that you know, life is so short that to spend most of your day like worrying about that kind of stuff, where you know, what what are you like producing or mm. creating or the limited bandwidth that we have on a daily basis? Why are we wasting it on? junk of different forms and versions so i just feel like yeah i like fine things like i would wear a a nice suit every day just because it there's so something about a suit that's really like like sexy and cool um it's not like the most comfortable thing to wear you, i guess you can make it in, in a way um 
but again like having a, a new suit every day that's like very expensive as well um i mean there's ways of that getting away from that like going to asia and getting it cheaper custom made but you still have to fly to asia you got to do all these different things so in the end i just want to be comfortable and generally it's like t-shirt and jeans for me and i want to spend my money on things that give me like a value or a return where like the case of this equipment right it's given me a, such an amazing return it's enabled me on multiple levels to to learn and grow and that's where i want to invest like time and money i don't really care i mean that would be a bonus right i would like to move in that direction i like fine things i like flying business class first class it makes a huge difference traveling like across multiple time zones but i don't need it right the same like i could literally walk everywhere we could ride our bike right i don't need a car but it's nice for some things right and you can rent it um so again why are we doing things like because we're trying to impress people like i'm over that like mm. i don't know why it, it took this long and and maybe our 40s you start caring about what's more comfortable for you like what makes you feel good you're less about like pleasing people um like i just think it's amazing that people can learn that at such an early age right but that's we all have our different like trials and tribulations of life and we don't need to compare ourselves to other people anymore either right there's a sense of freedom i'm just comparing me from like me from a day ago me from five years ago me from like 40 years ago and i like that trajectory and if i'm gonna continue to live I don't need to worry about like how many views I'm going to get on a video, like how many people are listening. As long as I'm like doing this and I love it, then all that stuff is a bonus. Like I like to help people, but first and foremost, I just want to like do the art. It makes me feel good to be able to just express myself, to be able to share this and that's in a way like autotelic meaning the act is selfish the reward mm. it's not the outcome yeah. the outcome is great if if people lots of people listen to this and i can help a lot more people and that's great but in the past i would not have done it because i was like oh who's gonna listen or what if i say the wrong thing or what if right like it grows too big and I can't handle it or like there's all these weird things that go in our head that stop us from actually living and doing what we want so to cut to the chase I realize you know sort of like the four agreements like one of them like not to take things personal right it's not personal so if someone's acting a certain way to you or if you do something and they give you negative feedback that's not constructive well, it was probably because they're insecure, you know, and that's fine. Yeah. Like, you don't have to make it some drama thing or make it some big story like, oh, they're my enemy and they're attacking me. It's just we're just so weird as like 
human beings right and so we just like eliminate that noise turn it down and then it's like what a double a would say he would just cut to the chase instead of doing this long drawn out therapy session about like what traumas you went through in your childhood which has its role and the professionals have that domain but it's he literally reverse engineers like okay all that stuff had happened we're here now what does tony want what does tony want not what like i want not what other people want it's like what do you want and that's so hard because we've been taught to not think that way we taught that that's selfish and it, it's still hard when I sit there and go, what exactly do I want right now? And I'm like, uh, uh, it's like, if he's like, if you have all the freedom in the world, all the money in the world, all the time in the world, all the resources, what do you want to do with your life? What do you want? And I literally was like frozen like a deer in headlights. Like, I don't know. <laughs> like, holy shit. Like, so we're all concerned that we don't have enough or we don't have the right contacts, the right amount of money. But on the opposite flip end of that coin, if you were given everything, Mm -hmm. you still would be frozen. So if you're going to pick one or the other, just get to the, cut the chase, cut to the chase. What do you want? And figure that out and then start moving in that direction. And have that as the goal. Yeah, like a a, a vision or like a, a direction, compass point. your compass point, right? Yeah. Like, because, you know, how many times have we, like, accomplished a goal or, you know, made a goal that we thought that's what we wanted. And then once we accomplished it, we go, like, mm-hmm. it didn't bring any more happiness. Yeah. You're, you're like, oh, I just need to, like, raise the bar. And on one level, like, yeah, raising the bar can be... It can actually like kill you mm-hmm. so we had like matthew gillespie on last week and if they keep raising the bar as like extreme you know action sports athletes like the every time you go another level there's gonna be like high risk high risk but dire consequences mm-hmm. like not so many you know people die from falling from you know a foot high but you start going up you know even six feet high, eight feet, 10 feet, 20, 30, right? Like the chances of surviving or, you know, at least escaping from an injury just becomes very <laughs> like minimal. Well, reduced. Yeah. Right. So whereas like, like you're saying, if you can just at least move in a direction of where you see yourself going, like where you, had this limited life this one life we don't know where we're going after we leave this existence right so it's like you had this one shot are you gonna spend it with figuring out like oh i'm gonna wear this fashionable clothes that's uncomfortable or i want to please people or like i'm gonna do this you know, whatever you want, like, that's the thing. And everybody's entitled to it. Like, I don't need to demonize other people for how they want to live life. 
like if it interferes with me because they're they're insecure or they want to like control me and then I put up my healthy boundaries I don't need to get mad at them just say stop that's your life that's how you think I respect your opinion but I disagree with you and like actually develop a spine right and still remain focused on like what you want and we constantly have to remind each other that having a pause mm-hmm. so what do you want people right I, I one of the best things i heard uh from one of the teachers you know that i came across even uh in the physical form it doesn't matter like again everybody including me has uh, skeletons in the closet we aren't perfect but this teacher he's also human it's just people treat him like he's some special like human god um but like dr david r hawkins one of the things that he said was you know you don't have to demonize like one thing if you like another thing so for example he gave like if you like vanilla ice cream you don't have to demonize chocolate right it's like yeah you don't like chocolate as much as you like vanilla you like vanilla but you don't have to like bad mouth chocolate because you like vanilla so it's the same thing like because you like a certain way of living you don't have to demonize everybody else or have a chip on your shoulder like i'll prove you wrong or have pride like i'm gonna do this because you told me i couldn't do it and you know it's like all this extraneous noise that's unnecessary it's like why don't you just do the thing mm-hmm. and that's it end of story i also like because i think was it him that said it or you this i can't remember who said it i don't know if you had said it as well it was like you know, like we'd prefer to eat organic um, and buy from local and have, you know, we've really kind of narrowed down for us, like what's helping our health and what's helping our benefit. But like, A, we're not dogmatic about it, but also B, we're not like, you need to do this, you need to do that. It's like, we do it because we like to do it. You know, because there's times where I, like, I've kind of been a little bit like, slated for or attack going oh she always has to have this or always has to have that or whatever and it's like I'm not preaching that my diet's better than your diet or my way of living is better than your way of living I find that helps me I mean I think my system was more sensitive because I lived with very high stress hormones and I operated at that level and I didn't know any different so yes, I was more likely to get sick. I was more likely to get infections. I was more likely to not be able to shake those, to have a reduced immune system, get hay fever, get allergies, all these other things because I lived in that constant stress environment. So I needed more help. I needed to you know, be a bit more extreme on my diet and be a bit more extreme on 
But again, it's relative extreme to who, right? That's right. But yeah. I think, but I think also as well, it's like I don't need to justify what I do. That's right. It's like I do it because I like to do it because it benefits me and I appreciate you that. You feel better. Yeah. You see the results. And I, you know, sometimes you know you would try and explain to other people, but actually, it's like there's no point. People, everybody will make their own decision, make their own choice. We're all totally unique, and I love your book the bio what is it the biochemistry the individuality book biochemical individuality so good it showed like stomachs and you know we've seen this diagram since we were a kid of like this is your stomach and this is your liver and this is your intestines and this is what it looks like and we all think that we all have the same stuff it's cookie cutter exactly it's not like i think there was like 11 different diagrams of different completely different looking shapes of stomachs stomachs livers hearts right across the board and yeah. it's like well if we all look so different externally why the hell are we not different internally and it was like the the penny dropping moment of like oh yeah of course we're all different and why is everybody being treated the same yeah right whether it's medically, whether it's psychologically, whether it's through uh, physiologically exercise, everybody's giving a cookie cutter program where they're not actually looking at the individual and creating a specific individualized program for that person. And, they, and, and the thing is, people will use those, those key words and say, oh, we do do individualized programs and we do listen to the person. So they say all the right things, but when it comes down to you, they don't. They don't. Right? It's and like- so, you know, just because it's functional medicine or alternative medicine or, you know. Holistic. Holistic. That doesn't mean anything either. They're just as bad as like the medical system and, you know, selling you a bunch of products or getting you on a bunch of like pharmaceuticals, regardless of like actually understanding what's going on in your home, what's going on in your work life, what's going on in your environment as a whole, externally, internally, right? On a physiological level, on a, like a psychological level, on an emotional level, mm-hmm. right? On a financial level, like they're not looking at the individual and then assessing and on an or- organ level, right? Like you are saying, we're all built differently, Right? And we all come from different backgrounds. So if you want to get better at something, you need to look at all the factors, all the variables, get honest, do a complete inventory of the all the systems because they're not separate. Yeah. We like to separate them because it's easier to communicate. But at the same time, all these systems work together as a whole and until you understand that you're just going to keep be repeating the same habits of patching a problem with a pill with the exercise program with whatever it is a pharmaceutical without actually getting to the root cause and you know it takes time it takes effort and it takes humility to go yes i have been addicted to this and i have been you know spending too much time on social media i have been you know not cleaning my house or airing out the house with fresh air or whatever it is you have to be completely self-honest before you can change and i think for me 
you learn about things along the way and when stuff resonates with you look into it you mean it's it's come up for a reason um but ultimately it is going back and listening into myself and listening to my own intuition and that will guide me but i didn't have the trust there for so long in myself and that's so fundamental you mean to be able to provide those core things for yourself that you feel safe that you know you've got everything that you need you're able to sleep it's like the basics that you want to give a child that they feel safe food water sleep i don't there's another one i can't even love yeah love those those things get those kind of basics in there and that if you haven't had it and you realize you haven't had it you've got the strength to do it for yourself that you you're now your own adult and you're now responsible for yourself and to to provide those things for yourself and you can't fix other things until you've got your fundamentals right and i was running around basically not feeling safe so i couldn't and i was focusing on other things basically other distracting things but i wasn't able to go what is actually wrong oh i don't feel safe why don't i feel safe and break it down rather than just trying to cope and trying to cope and trying to cope which i did for months and like i was a bit of a mess and all over the place but it was like right what's what's the core issue here and it was that being real and honest and not letting myself get distracted by all the other things that are there and distractions like i put distractions in that bracket of anything that you're doing it can be anything. It can be the good things and the bad things. It can be, you know, the good things about cleaning the house, making your making your home good, safe, clean, you know, making, you know, the best fermented foods and the healthiest foods or whatever. It doesn't matter. Yes, there were good things, but there I was still distracting myself with being busy, doing whatever I was doing, whether it was, you know, good outcomes or bad outcomes, I was still distracting myself. Um, and I find that hard sitting with myself um, because there was a lack of trust in myself um, and there's been a lack of trust there for for a long time listening to you know everybody else thinking that everybody else knows best but ultimately I know the best for me you know the best for you and yes we're able to help each other in the journey but it's boiling it right back down to listening into yourself because you're your best guide like in terms of why don't people like to rest because those inner demons, those inner voices get turned up yeah, to 11, right? Lighter. So like that's why they do some form of addiction to check out, right? Yeah. And so to to actually get your nervous system recalibrated and reset probably the most simple thing someone could do and i told you this is to rest to sleep to get adequate sleep every night so that your nervous system gets recalibrated your reality gets recalibrated you can handle the inner demons the density of that that dark feeling right and you have the capacity to be able to handle it 
at least increase your chances of handling it better when you're rested. And that includes taking breaks throughout the day, finding something, maybe even exercise or a walk through the park. Something like can be very gentle just to be with yourself, to observe these things to a point where you can go, oh, these are these are like thought forms, right? Like I'm not identified with sort of the ticker tape of emotional baggage that's running through my system. You can have like a little bit of space, you know, like providing space or holding space. Like, yeah, people can hold space for each other, but you can hold space for yourself. Yeah. And the more you can hold space for yourself through rest and recovery, sleep, naps, gentle exercise, whatever it is, combination of the above, whatever works for you, where you find it is some sort of self-therapy and then you have space to not be polarized or possessed by these like thoughts, feelings, and emotions. And um, that's very healing. Once you get the hang of that process, the more you invest in yourself, the more you're going to get a return of feeling grounded, more centered, and less disturbed by chaos in whatever form that takes as well. So um, you obviously are getting better. I'm getting better. It's just you get what you put in. And some people just aren't ready for that. And sometimes you have to walk away from people like that. Unfortunately, you know, it's you love them. Some people walk away from you because they don't like that you become more calm they they get more like anxious and self-conscious being around you, you know, and we're not trying to be, you know, I guess we're not trying to make people feel awkward, right? Certainly people do do that. Like I've been around like raw foodies. And they, they're like very dogmatic, very preachy. They look at you like with culty, like snake eyes and their bright, like smiley teeth and their glowy skin, but they're looking at you all weird and that's uncomfortable. Like, I hope that when people hang out that they don't feel like we're trying to like hypnotize them with some weird like voodoo stuff, right? Like it literally like, let's just be normal, like you know let's just have fun share and be respectful above all right irregardless of opinions and uh that's just that's just what's happened you know and uh, i'm always i hope that we can continue to be inclusive right um but again have like healthy boundaries um we're wrapping up. Judy, any final words of wisdom, anything that comes to mind? Um, lots of things come to mind, so I'm trying to think of like the most specific thing. Um, I'm very grateful for so many people that have helped me in my life. There's so many. There's ones that I've named. There's others that I haven't named. 
Um, but there's been so many in there. Um, and there's a lot of gratitude towards them. There's a lot of gratitude for you and for what I've learned since we've been together. Um, <laughs> but, it, you know, it really has been amazing. And to know that I deserve that, that's been a big thing. You mean the, the times when we've talked in the podcast, the time that I got upset was because I was talking about when I reached out and, you know, my foster parents helped me. And I got upset because it was in that mindset of I didn't deserve it. But I did deserve it. Do you know what I mean? That that was the, the times that I've got upset, you know, and I've been through awful stuff. It's like feeling like I don't deserve people's kindness and feeling like I don't deserve, you know, gifts or whatever's come my way. And it's like, that's complete nonsense. It's complete nonsense. Um, and it's learning to teach myself those basic things that I deserve to be happy and I deserve to be calm and I deserve to feel safe and I deserve to feel confident and um, deserve happiness and to feel lighter. And I love that phrase that Matt says, lighter, brighter, happier. It's like, yes, that's that's what I feel. That's what I want to feel. And I want to feel that every day. Um, and I won't always feel that every day because sometimes just stuff comes up and bites you on the ass and you've got to deal with it. Um, but then it's okay um, to feel whatever you're feeling. I think for so many times I would have just punished myself and it's like I've already gone through enough punishment, enough grief, enough sadness, shame, guilt, fear, terror, trauma, you know, whatever it is, I've had enough. I've had enough. I deserve to have better. And then once knowing I deserve to have better, then I need to put those little steps in place where I make that my reality and I choose better. And I'm able to choose those, you know, step by step by step. And, you know, thinking on that analogy, what Matt G was saying about the ladder. Do you know what I mean? It's not hard to go up one step. I look around and it's not too scary. You mean it? And we automatically think, oh, I've got to get to the top of the ladder and how scary that'll be and how hard that will be. And it's like, no, but there's lots of steps along the way. You mean, and when I look back, there was a, a memory that came up on my phone today, eight years ago, you know, hanging out with my little sister over in um, Bristol, I think it was. Could have been Bath, but I think it was Bristol. And eight years ago, and yes, I look younger, but actually in some ways I didn't look younger. My eyes were so dark. Eyes were dark. You were pale. Pale, wrinkly, really yes, slim. Slim, yeah. Um, and it was like, yes, my skin looked a bit younger, but actually my face looked older and it looked, yeah, just... Just worn down. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And it's like, I don't want to wish for the younger Judith that was younger, had nicer skin was slimmer, was all these other things. I don't want to be her anymore. I don't want to have what I was like at the, those times. It's like, I want to be me today. And yes, I've got a few more wrinkles. I might have a bit more of a chin thing going on or whatever going on, or, you know, those telltale signs on your hands that you're getting older. Doesn't matter. It's like, I'm happy with me. 
And it's so funny that sometimes I get self-critical about whatever about my appearance and my complexion. It's like to learn to be happy with me. You mean I did it with my hair and I gave up the hair dye and that was brilliant and I've never regretted it. And once you made the decision, you just commit and go for it. Never regretted it. And it's like, well, let's apply that to everything else in my life. Mm-hmm. Let's, um, yeah, be happy with me. Mm-hmm. Get rid of the the negative back, back chat. Let that go. Stop going back to it. Yeah, at least I don't know if it ever stops. Like some of the mystics and sages talk about it stopping or I'm not sure. I mean, kind of have to like take their word for it. But at least at the very least, we don't need to be identified with it. We can observe it. We can be more objective around it versus subjective. But I think there's, to me, the beauty of the subjectivity and objectivity of life to have like a, a balance, you know, cause you can go extreme on other ends with, you know, those two domains of subjectivity and objectivity, like science is supposed to be all objectivity and feelings is all subjectivity. Right. And so to have like that sort of balance of those two worlds and, not be solely identified with one or the other to have kind of a convergence of the two and the balance and the harmony, I believe, mm-hmm. I think is nice. So to have voices of doubt and I think that's what's being human and part of like being a, uh, having your own hero journey or heroine journey, right? It's you're just able to like witness it without being possessed by it less and less and less and it's just a process and some days are better than others and uh, hopefully you know yourself well enough you have enough humility to just say like hey did I move the needle did I move that grain of sand did I take that one step up the ladder and that's good enough for now like that's you don't have to jump from you know level one to like level 100 right and i think if every day we just make a small improvement and we live long enough you will become a master and very skillful um on this life level so whatever you choose to do in life and uh, all the noise and distraction just like fall away because you choose to focus on like again what do you want and then to not take things personally you know not not that you're not you're indifferent to other people and their feelings but obviously you want to still listen because there might be some wisdom or nugget and something that's constructive and uh critical feedback but at the same time don't let other people's insecurities stop you from living your life the the one life that you know you're living right now the rest is just speculation so 
Um, thank you to our lovely audience and our fans for all your support. Absolutely. And our sponsor. And our sponsor at, you know, Thunder Park Action Sports, Urban Woo! Sports. We are so grateful for Matthew Gillespie. He was our last guest, um, the last episode. Um, check that out. We're so grateful for, you know, their sponsor, their support and helping us conquer uh, physical fear, uh, internal fear, uh, of riding like ramps at the skate park and all of his team, whether it's Mikey or Hendo and Susie, Jason, they've all been so supportive for us riding BMX and living out our dreams and, you know, step by step, getting better, getting more skillful at riding uh, ramps and riding bikes. And um, they're, they're not just limited to BMX bikes, but mountain bikes, scooters, skateboards, roller skates, roller blades, any kind of even parkour, you know, doesn't matter what you use, they have the facility, they have a very supportive staff and team, they actually listen, they're safety first, but they also encourage you to progressively overcome your physical limitations and fears in a very safe way. So thank you, Thunder Park, thank, thank Th Thunder Park Action Sports, and, uh, Thank you, Matt Gillespie, for sponsoring Hangry and Horny. So with that, see you guys on the next episode and lots of love.